The views on a breath of fresh air podcast reflects the parties involved, and we encourage you all to use it as a conversational tool that will lead to personal studies of your own. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Welcome to a breath of fresh air podcast. Here with your hosts, Earl Roberts and Nakaz Gay. As a young person, Christianity can be so foggy, like smoke in the mirrors and so unclear. But we're here to bring you a breath of fresh air. Things must be getting pretty intense. Because he didn't just go alone. This time he carried the elders, Nadab. Abayu, Aaron, everybody. Oh, this is getting crazy. I wonder what they could be possibly talking about still. Tell the Israelites to bring me an offering. You are to receive the offering for me from each man whose heart prompts him to give. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. This week we are continuing with the laws and instructions given to Moses for the Israelites on Mount Sinai. This week there's a shift, however, from the laws to govern the society morally. Now the focus is on a place for the people to worship God and a place for His presence to dwell amongst them. We are going to delve into Exodus chapter 24 through 29 and we explore the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant. Welcome back to another episode of A Breath of Fresh Air. Just want to take a moment to, you know, thank God for making it through, helping us make it through another week. I know for me personally, this week has been a little bit more hectic than, than most others. So it's always a blessing when you can come here on the Sabbath and just, you know, relax a little bit. Take that nice Sabbath rest. It's enjoyable. Amen to that. And so last week, we ended off in Exodus 23. And we covered a lot of the, well, covenants, a lot of the laws that were passed down to the judges so they can really get an understanding of how to govern the people of, well, the nation of Israel at that point, people of Israel, nation of Israel. Because as a recap again, that we remember that Moses was doing all this himself. His father-in-law Jethro said, hey man, that's too big of a burden to bear. You know, if God allows it and God directs you, you should, you know, appoint leaders of tens, leaders of hundreds, leaders of the thousands and stuff. And, and you know, like, let's set them up so they can hear some of the, some of the petty models and then they, all the big models they bring to you. Moses, you know, follows suit now. So now he needs to pass down all the wisdom that he was just getting from God down to these other people so they can out of, like, adequately perform their roles. And so we went through a lot of those laws last week. And now this week we pick it up from Exodus 24. And the journey continues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and one thing I really like, I wouldn't say like, one thing that I noticed now and that I, that I feel like it's like super necessary, especially for Christians today, 
is the fact that we get to go through this journey with the Israelites who learning all of this stuff. And so the specific reasons why certain things are said to the Israelites, right? But you can't just assume that everything is for only the Israelites or that nothing is for only the Israelites and everything is for everybody. As we go through this journey, we're going to see the Israelites mature. We're going to see ups and downs. And from there, it's going to be more information to help us to know, oh, this was specific to them or this should be for everybody, you know? And so right now, even as we even as we do our little journey into the word, I just I just go in with the mindset that everything is applicable to us now. Even the things that we don't do in Western in, in this civilization, I just say because it's in the Bible, this should be it. And now that's that's a starting point to keep my eyes open to any other like research points that say, oh, this isn't something we sh- that we have to continue today or X Y Z. You know, because in a lot of people get the word from other people, you know. A lot of people don't actually study for themselves. That is very true. And a lot of times I didn't study for myself. Like a lot of stuff I knew was from school, going to church school, going to Sabbath school. You understand what I'm saying? Talking to other people, listening to pastors. I mean, I think even like Paul said something this, I forget. I think it's probably in Ephesians. I might be confusing the books. Don't hold it against me. But when he was essentially asking the church, like, how long y'all like going to just be babies in the in the word? Because at a certain point, I mean, a lot of the information that we get, like even like the story of Joseph, the story of Moses, something, even stuff of like Abraham that we were doing. So like, I didn't really know that stuff because like they don't, you don't get this covered in Sabbath school. You don't get this covered in your school lessons. Like, they just keep like the main story and they shorten it. The clips you watched on, on the religious channels growing up, they focus on the main story and then some of the extra details. Like we were watching one last weekend. Uh, what was was it Joseph? Yeah, it was Joseph. After after he became Pharaoh, that, and the movie ended. The movie ended. <laughs> yeah. Not from the second command of Egypt. The movie yeah. ended. It was like, oh yeah, Joseph. Yeah, that's it. Okay, yeah. Then it's just sure. So yeah, the Israelites came over, and then it was a big happy family at the end. But yeah. they don't go into some of those nitty gritty details that the Bible really expands upon. But it's mm-hmm. like until you actually get that deeper. I think we mentioned it with. Uh, went to heaven Enoch mm. when you mentioned it with Enoch when you have that like as the dead panted for the water as you get that yearning that that I want to know more I want to go deeper in the word it's when you really start to get closer to Christ like at a certain point you just can't have that surface level knowledge it's like because it, I mean at the end of the day it's a relationship and then bro I my, one of one of the things the things that have me very hesitant like the things that bring me caution as I read the word is just think about just the amount, the overwhelming amount of contrarians that exist, bro. Oh, man. People who really try to mess up my day. And and last week, I experienced a, a few hecklers. You know what I mean? Like, they, like they, they always come off as hostile, right? Mm-hmm. And then when you ask them for more information, they calm down. <laughs> like they Like cause they They will Cause they be like, bro, you guys are idiots, XYZ. Or I lost my respect for you, XYZ, uh, right? Yeah. And... You just be like, hey, hey, bud, whoa, whoa, whoa. Tell me why you feel this way. Enlighten oh, me from my ignorance. Enlighten please. me, bro. I never I never come back at them like, oh no, that's wrong. I, bro, I I don't you have a vendetta for some reason. I don't I don't share the same thing and I'm not gonna inherit it because of you. You know, so just explain yourself. When they start explaining themselves, they always calm now. They always calm. Because they, they wanna fight with somebody, but they can't do it with themselves. Mm-hmm. You know? And I always think about if I'm sharing this with somebody, right? I need to have enough facts for even the people who study the Bible just to oppose it. 
you know, because they have a specific motive. If I'm just reading the Bible or I'm just trying to get closer to God, it's some things I might miss. You might ask me a question. It might be caught up with semantics and stuff. And you're just like they're trying to back me into a corner. Stuff like Exodus, like this section of the, of the Old Testament is very just like it's very hidden. Like a lot of people don't know about it. You know, I bro, I heard you ever heard a sermon preaching Exodus 24? Don't worry, I'll wait. Exactly. <laughs> it just exactly. seems a sexy part of the Bible to like talk about it. Because a lot of people, when they say these things don't apply to us today, they're just like, okay. That's the main thing, though. <laughs> you can find that you can find that response in abundance. These things don't apply to us to today. But I come in, I'm just, I'm going to admit, I'm ignorant to this. Why don't they apply to us today? And when did this come about? Did, did they say this here? Did someone after come? Is this just common understanding? Somebody came to us this week, tried to um, tell us that um, the fruit from, from Adam and Eve was a symbolic fruit of something else. And I'm like, hey. Let me find the literature so I can look into this. And he's like, oh, no, my pastor told me this. You know what I'm saying? And to me, that don't hold up for me because I can tell you something. I can lie. They can lie. You know what I'm saying? We they need were a point of exactly. They were lied to in the, at the garden. Yeah. <laughs> it's a like, full circle. <laughs> right. So, so yeah. Uh, so, all, I'm just prefacing um, our, our little journey because we're going to have a point where it's not the, the fun stories where it's like a lot of interesting details and stuff to speculate about, you know? Yeah. And, you know. And ain't no hidden genealogies anymore for a long time. Exactly. And so even with this, like this is important to know. This is a part of the Bible. This is an early part of the Bible too. This actually helps you to understand. And that's what I'm saying too. Even for like the context of it all. It's like if you understand context things, things now con- contextually, you could understand the mess of the books as they, because each book starts to build on each other. It's almost like a school essentially. Mm. But you understand these things in Genesis and you understand, okay, so now when we reach in... Even Daniel mm-hmm. or David, why David had to execute certain people for certain reasons and stuff like that. So you're like, oh, okay, so this is, oh, it ties back to way back then. This is how the nation was supposed to be governed. And then you start seeing when, oh, God allowed them to be kept, get held captive by the Chaldeans or the Babylonians or the, the Persians. You understand, oh, okay, so you guys were rebelling against God. You guys weren't keeping his commandments. You guys weren't doing the things that he already laid for right. you. And you're like, oh, okay. Over it. No, and that, and that's why that's why it makes so much sense why people like Daniel wasn't bowing down to idols. We could see centuries before how God really was seriously opposed that. And if we just skip over this Exodus part, we wouldn't get that. Mm-hmm. You mentioned David. David ate the showbread. Jesus used that as an example. You remember when David ate the showbread? Here we're gonna learn the significance of the showbread. You understand what I'm saying? So, so yeah, these these are parts that you you just honestly just can't skip just for the historic and the foundational parts of just understanding the Bible and our walk with with God. Yeah, and then I guess end out this intro that we didn't plan. Yeah, <laughs> but definitely like study for yourselves, and then we 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 invite dialogue. So I mean, because we're gonna go through this, we're gonna do our best as we can. Holy Spirit guiding us to talk about this stuff. But honestly, in your own research, if you feel you come across something that we might have missed, like email us, reach out to us on social media, and then we'll be happy to have a dialogue with you guys. Because I mean, we we encourage open dialogue. It, to me, at the end of the day, it's better for more people to be talking about God and iron and sharpening iron. I said ironing, but iron sharpening <laughs> iron. And we all grow and help each other grow, not one really condemning the other, but for, for ignorance, but it's like, okay, oh, this is what the Holy Spirit revealed to you. Let's, you know, use the Bible to confirm that. Let's, you know, wrestle with wrestle with the word and get a deep understanding at the end of the day. So it's all everyone helping each other grow. Definitely. So, so Exodus 24. 
So now we're back at the mountain. So we see the Lord said to Moses, uh, go down. Well, come up to me. You Aaron Nabab. I always mess up his name is Nadab. Actually, I always get the B and the D mixed up. And Abihu and the 70 elders of Israel to worship me at a distance. But Moses alone is to approach the Lord. The others are not to come near and the people may not come up to him. When Moses went and told the people, the Lord, the Lord's words and laws, they responded in one voice. Everything the Lord has said, we will do. Moses then broke down everything the Lord said. Now, it's interesting, right? I kind of just said, oh yeah, the Lord said I will do it. I think they almost like took for granted one, how perfect God's law was and all the consequences that was going to be attached to not following this law. Because one, it's easy to say you're going to do something when you really don't know the full gravity of what you just signed up to do. Yeah, I mean, bro, it's easy to to commit to something when you could see consequence right in your face, but when you can't see the consequence no more, then it's like, what's what's making me do this? You know, you know. So if if your parents right here, you could you could be, you could behave. It's not hard to behave around your parents, you know. But when your parents go, you know, then that's when your integrity <laughs> true kicks character in, comes you out. You know what I mean? Like, are, am I gonna be the? Am I gonna behave when no one is around? You know. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. It's interesting how only Moses was allowed to come closer to God. We see like Moses and God had that connection. Mm-hmm. God was like, yeah, the rest of you guys, you can still stay back. See, but then at the same time, just the way how some of these guys is even arc when Moses ain't around. Like some of like the elders and mm-hmm. some of the religious leaders. You can see why. You can see why only Moses was going up there. Mm-hmm. We see he got up early the next morning, built an altar at the foot of the mountain, and he set up 12 stone pillars representing the 12 tribes of Israel. Then he sent Israelite, young Israelite men, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrifices, young bulls as fellowship offerings. Moses took half of the blood and put it in bowls, and the other half he splashed against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people. They responded, we will do everything the Lord has said and we will obey. So now we see all those covenants that we covered last episode and those like laws and everything. Moses presented those to the people. And then Moses took blood, sprinkled it on the people and said, this is, this is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance to the words. You laughing because he sprinkled the blood on the people? Yeah. <laughs> Cultural differences, man. <laughs> Cultural differences. You don't want the blood, bro? All right, not. <laughs> <laughs> then Moses went up. Also, Aaron made up in the Bible. And seven and seventy of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. We got to get the camera back, man. Yeah, for real, for real. My mom is disappointed we got back. We got back to Nokia the, the, the week after. Yeah, several people was like, so you guys, camera broke? I was like, yeah, we shouldn't have spoiled you all so quick. <laughs> Just a little test. So, so we know how, how it can work. We, we can come out better than ever. <laughs> and, there, and there was, on there's feet as it were paved, work of sapphire stone and it was like the very heavens in its clarity mm-hmm. that's the, pretty yep but on the nobles of the children of israel he did not lay his hand so they saw god and they ate and drank. then the lord said to moses come up to me on the mountain and be there and i will give you tablets of stone and the law and the commandments which i have written that you may teach them so moses arose with his assistant joshua and Moses went up to the mountain of God and he said to the elders, wait here for us until we come back to you. Indeed, Aaron and her are with you. 
If any man has a difficulty, let him go to them. Then Moses went up into the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. Now the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. The sight of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the top of the mountain, in the eyes of the children of Israel. So Moses went into the midst of the cloud and went up into the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain forty days and forty nights. So there's a couple of things I want to point out right there in that whole passage you read. First thing, you realize Moses didn't take down the Ten Commandments with them yet, you know. Nope. Well, the actual tablets. He came nope. back down and wrote down everything. That was mm-hmm. the first thing. The second thing is, you see when he went back up, who did he go back up with? Nate. Joshua. Yeah. It's the same Joshua that's going to be Later future on. leader. I just want to mm-hmm. like point this out now because we've seen like how Joshua, in all some of these key pivotal moments, Joshua was there. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like Joshua was there. So like... Just because I honestly, I would say I forgot about that, but I honestly didn't remember that. Like yeah, that Joshua yeah. was, went up in the mountain to get the Ten Commandments, but I mean, he didn't go fully to the top, but he was like, you know, one of the ones who went second highest, I guess. Joshua lingering around, bro. Like Joshua know. lingering around. And if you don't know, if you don't know what his, what his story is like later on, like it's easy to, because it's easy to just um over, like just not notice him because and, it's and, so I, quick, like. I, yeah, because I mean, think of it. This is the second time of insignificance that Joshua's been mentioned. Because remember, he Already. led the Israelite army against the Maccabees or whatever they were. Yeah. Whoever sneaked them. Yeah, whoever came yeah. from the back. I, for, I couldn't yeah. look back at the name, so forgive me. But exactly. yeah, he led them and he led them against them. And now he's going to the mountain with Moses. 40 days and 40 nights. That's another time we've seen that. Yeah. Like to me, that's, that's, it's always, it's like, it's interesting, like certain numbers or certain time periods, time frames that just, you know, that just seem relevant. Yeah, like it just keep happening. So you want to go to chapter 25? Yeah. All right. So the um, starting off offerings for the sanctuary. Um, and I'm reading from the New King James. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it willingly with his heart. You shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take from them. Gold, silver and bronze. Blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair. Ram skins, dyed red, badger skins, and Acadia wood. All for, all for the light and spices for the anointing oil. And the sweet incense, oxen stone, onyx stones, and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show you, that is, the pattern of the tabernacle, and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. And so now we're seeing God is, is starting to lay out. He's saying, okay, I want to dwell amongst you guys. And so I need some place to dwell. Now, and so now he's saying, okay, guess what? I want you guys to build me a sanctuary. And we're going to say the sanctuary is going to become mobile, but this, this sanctuary is going to be God's dwelling place among his chosen people. And so the next thing too, he's saying like, tell the people, bring me an offering. And you realize he didn't tell them, how much to bring. Mm-hmm. It was from the free will of your heart. So if you have some gold that you feel that you should give to the Lord, God was saying, yeah, bring it to me. Donate it to me. Well, bring it back to me because it means because of me, you guys have it. But silver, bronze, purple, scarlet, fine linen, goat hair, like whatever the people felt out of the goodness of their hearts, they were to bring to the Lord as an offering. So, yeah. Picking up in verse 10, these are going to be talking about the ark and have them make an ark of, a, of acacia wood 
two and a half cubits long, a cubit and a half wide, and a cubit and a half high, overlaid with pure gold, both inside and out, and make the gold molding around it. Cast four rings for it and fasten them to its four feet. With two rings on one side and two rings on the other, then make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Insert the poles into the rings on the sides of the ark to carry it. The poles are to remain in the rings of this ark. They are not to be removed. Put the ark, put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law, which I will give to you. So he's saying, yeah, when you get these ten, when you, when you get the tablets, put them in the ark that you are going to build. Make an uh, make an atonement cover of pure gold, two and a half cubits long and two and a half cubits wide, and make two cherubim out of hammered gold at the ends of the cover. So you know it's also like interesting too. I know I kind of pause, but they knew exactly what cherubims look, look like. like. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> like they knew what cherubims look like. Hmm. And then it's like so interesting too, because like the last time we see God giving this detail of instructions to someone directly was with Noah. And every time you see a picture of the ark, mm-hmm. you never see baby angels on like in that picture at all. Like you just always see like full grown angels, you know what I'm saying? That represent the cherubims. But you know what's funny? Like <laughs> the two angel cherubims that you see, they're still not really indicative of how cherubims are actually described. Yes, but at the same time, yeah, you the don't common the, conception. Yeah. This is a little fat baby. Yeah, like, like that's Greek, right? Or maybe Roman? I don't know, but like it's it's not it's not biblically supported mm-hmm. that cherubims are baby angels in any way. Nope. You know. No shape or form. All right. Um and make one cherub on one end and the second on the other. Make the cherubim of one piece of with one make the cherubim of one piece with the cover and the and at the two ends. The cherubim are to have their wings spread upward, overshadowing them with the cover, overshadowing the cover with them. The cherubim are to face each other, looking toward the cover. Place the cover on the top of the ark and put in the ark the tablets of the covenant law that I will give you. There above the cover between the two cherubim that are over the ark of the covenant, I will meet with you and give you all of my commands for the Israelites. Ooh, I'm going to let you talk about the table. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, verse 23. You shall also make a table of Acadia wood. Two cubits shall be its length, a cubit its width, and a cubit and a half its height. And you shall overlay it with pure gold and make a molding of gold around it. You shall make for it a frame of hand breath, of a hand breath all around, and you shall make a gold molding for the frame all around. And you shall make for it four rings of gold and put the rings on the four corners that are its four legs. The rings shall be close, shall be close to it, to the frame as holders for the poles to bear the table. And you shall make the poles of Acadia wood and overlay them with gold and the table may be carried with them. You shall make its dishes, its pans, its pitchers and its bowls for, and its bowls for pouring. You shall make them of pure gold and you shall set the showbread on the table before me always verse 31 you shall make a golden lamp you shall make a lampstand a lampstand of pure gold the lamp the lampstand shall be of hammered of hammered work its shaft its branches its bolts its ornamental ornamental knobs and flowers shall be of one piece 
and six branches shall come out of its sides. Three branches, three, <laughs> three branches. <laughs> yeah, boy, this was really a little rough. No, that's funny though because when I see branches, I just automatically think of like oh, plant, a tree, tree. Yeah, but then we say tree to me three. Mm-hmm. I just say that, so I could have just let it fly. <laughs> anyway, three branches of the lampstand out of one side, and three branches of the lampstand out of the other side. Three bowls shall be made like almond blossoms. On one branch with an ornamental knob and a flower, and three bowls made like almond blossoms on the other branch with an ornamental knob and a flower. And so for the six branches that come out of the lampstand, on the lampstand itself, four bowls shall be made like almond blossoms, each with its ornamental knob and flower. And there shall be a knob under the first two branches of the same, a knob under the second two branches of the same, and a knob under the third two branches of the same according to the six branches that extend from the lampstand their knobs and their branches shall be of one piece and all of it shall be one hammered piece of pure gold you shall make seven lamps for it they shall arrange its lamps so that they give light in front of it and its wick trimmers and their trays shall be of pure gold it shall be made of a talent of pure gold with all these utensils and see to it that you make them according to the pattern which was showing you on the mountain. Just one thing, a talent is like 75 pounds of pure gold. Whew. So in today's day, it's a really expensive lamp. <laughs> it's a really expensive lamp. Yeah. But it's for well, God. And so um, just to go back over some of these... Um, sanctuary... I don't know what I want, want to call these, but furnishings. Yes, for, sanctuary furnishings. So the ark, we see uh, the ark was going, to, was going to be like God's dwelling place. So I mean, in the future, we're going to see where the ark was actually kept. But it was God's way of saying, yeah, this is like the, the sacred item. And you're going to see the real significance of the ark as we go along and how precious and powerful this ark will be to the Israelites because it was literally the dwelling place of God amongst them. Yes, and, and it was with specific instructions how you're going to make this. You understand? So God just laid out the whole plan of how you're going to build this, the amount of gold, the lamps, everything, just how just how you're going to construct this and actually make this out to be. And yeah, so I feel like a lot of the thing, like a lot of these chapters in Exodus really is really just foundational things. You understand? And it's descriptions. So if someone was to um um, just, you know, like how they might show a diagram of the arc XYZ. They didn't have pictures back then. You understand? So the fact that this is outlined and, you know, and you could just follow these instructions, like if it was a recipe or something like that. And these people could, were craftsmen too. Exactly. So you could, you could kind of back into this on your own way so you could see how this look. Similar like how, like, like how you could see pictures of the arc. From Noah to Ark, you understand that it was this these dimensions. Mm-hmm. So that kind of that kind of helps you to understand how they pulled it off and how these and how they look. So yeah, I, I can understand why like is this much detail is going into um into the is being documented in the Bible of what God instructed them. And then so now we have the the next one was like the the table of showbread and the showbread. No, that, no, I was talking about like going through the oh, furnishings. Yeah. So he's talking about yeah. each one. That's so, it. Yeah, so like the show, the table of showbread was um going it it was they were pretty much eating it in the face of God. Well, like when they went into the tabernacle, so and was just showing that people have their different 
I guess, interpretations of what that meant. But some people saying it was a show that, you know, people need God more to survive than bread and then sustaining of life. And then next it was the lampstand. And I'm not 100% sure what the lampstand represented off the top of my head. I think it just, I think, I think I read before, it just symbolized God's light, mm. which he brings to people. So now we're going in Exodus 26. Mm-hmm. Ooh, the tabernacle. The big boy. So now we're getting into the dimensions of the actual tabernacle. So make the tabernacle with 10 curtains of finely twisted linen on blue, purple, and scarlet gown with the cherubim woven into the silk into them by a skilled worker. All the curtains are to be the same size, 28 cubits long and four cubits wide. Join five of the curtains together and do the same with the other five. Make loops of blue material along the edge of the curtain in one set and do the same with the end of the curtain in the other set. Make 50 loops on one curtain and 50 loops on the end curtain of the other set with the loops opposite each other. Then make 50 gold clasps and use them to fasten the curtains together so that the tabernacle is a unit. That is impressive. Hmm. That God outlined all of that in specific detail, like here's how much curtains to make, here's how much curtains to make on the next side, here's what I want in it, sew them together. Oh, you need clasps, do the clasps, do the holes, make sure you have all of this together, and like which colors they're gonna be, everything. Then pick it up in verse seven, make curtains of the goat hair for the tent over the tabernacle, 11 altogether. All 11 curtains are to be the same size, 30 cubits long and four cubits wide. Join five of the curtains together into one set and the other six into another set. Fold the sixth curtain double at the front of the tent. Make 50 loops along the edge of the end curtain in one set and also along the edge of the end curtain in the another set. Then make 50 bronze clasps and put them into the in the loops to fasten the tent together as a unit. As the additional length of, of 10 curtains, the half curtain that is left over is to hang down at the rev of the tabernacle, and then the 10 curtains will be a cubit. Longer on both sides, what is left will hang over the sides of the tabernacle as to cover it, make for the tent a covering of ram skins dyed red, and over the covering of the other durable leather. That's impressive. So verse 15, make upright frames of acacia wood for the tabernacle. Each frame is to be 10 cubits long and a cubit and a half wide with two projections set parallel to each other. Make all the frames of the tabernacle this way. Make 20 frames for the south side of the tabernacle and make 40 silver bases to go under them. Two bases for each frame. One under each projection for the side to the north of the tabernacle. Make 20 frames and 40 silver bases, two under each frame. Make six frames for the far end, that is the west end of the tabernacle, and make two frames for the corners at the far end. At these two corners, they must be double from the bottom all the way to the top and fitted into a single ring. Both shall be like that. So there will be eight frames of 16 silver bases, two under each frame. Hmm. I mean, I have to put a picture of this up when we, when we do this episode, because yeah. I'm like trying to imagine it in my head as I go along. It's like, you could kind of see it forming out, but it's out, but it's so you could kind of see it forming out, forming out, but you know, a picture would just make it so much clearer. So uh, picking up from verse 26, also make crossbars of acacia wood, five for the frames on one side of the tabernacle, five for those on the other side of the tabernacle, five frames for the west and, and 
and the far end of the tabernacle. The center crossbar is to extend from one end to from end to end at the middle frames. Overlay the frames with gold and make gold rings to hold the crossbars. Also overlay the crossbars with gold. Verse 30, set up the tabernacle according to the plan shown to you on the mountain. Make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and finely twisted linen with cherubim woven into it by a skilled worker. Hang it with the, hang it with hooks of four posts of acacia wood overlaid with gold and standing on four silver bases. Hang the curtain from the class and place the Ark of the Covenant Law behind the curtain. The curtain will separate the holy place from the most holy place. And these will be talked about for a while and you'll see their importance mm-hmm. going forward. Um, yeah, put the atonement cover on the Ark of the Covenant Law in the most holy place. Place the table outside the curtain on the north side of the tabernacle and place the lampstand opposite it on the south side. For the entrance to the tent, make a curtain of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and finely twisted linen, the work of embroiderer. Make gold hooks for this curtain and five posts of acacia wood overlaid with gold and cast five bronze bases for them. So we see in Exodus 26, we just get instructions for the floor plan and the construction of the actual temple building. Yep. I just, I just, I was talking a little bit because they have a holy place, bro. And they're a most holy place. A most like, holy place. That's crazy. Man. I mean, and then you can see where it's like, you had to be holy to enter these places. You know what I mean? And when you had to be... Holier than thou, as people would Sinless say. for a uh, time period, you know, understand Gotta go through else. a whole purification process. Yeah, and we can see that later on in the Bible. Man, oh man. <laughs> it's interesting because you watch Bible cartoons. Mm-hmm. You see the ark and you see stuff like that. You see the priest dress a certain way. That's not what I'm saying. Like you see these jewels in there, like and this breastplate. breastplate. Yeah, and it's like, like why? Like why you're going doing to that? boy? And why? Why all the Bible cartoons have that? You, mm-hmm. see, you understand? Now I'm not from the Jewish culture. I don't know if they're doing that to this day or what have you. But now we can see where this was implemented. When the Hebrews, after coming from Egypt, when they needed to be established as a people, God gave them the whole shebang. And we have Moses with God for forty days and forty nights. So they definitely covered a lot of grounds. This wasn't just a Ten Commandments and go. You understand? This this the floor plan. I think that's a lot of, that's the next thing a lot of people miss too. A lot of people just think Moses just went up there for the Ten Commandments, came back down, people was worshiping the golden calf. Right. Break them. Spoiler alert. I'm waiting for this golden calf now, bro. I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on. We talk about we talk about um Moses going up like from chapter 18 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's Moses done gone up, <laughs> talk to the people, bring more people up. You understand what I say? Moses done come up, come down, they done had trips. You know? God God done move on from other stuff. Like exactly. this ain't even boy, we done passed the Ten Commandments. Like they ain't even talking about the Ten Commandments no more. Exactly. He already <laughs> tell the people the Ten Commandments and it's like, all right, we can do it. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? We, like, we'll, we'll do everything. Yeah, okay. That makes it more understandable as to Moses' frustration. We understand God's frustration because we know his, his stance. Mm-hmm. The last time you see these people, they I, re- just, I, I just tell y'all what to do. And y'all said, we will do everything. Right. The Lord said it. Cool. Aaron, 
You want to go back to the grading system, bro? Because Aaron got to get a bad grade when that, when that come around. No, that, Aaron, Aaron got a, what, a, what a Z. Yeah. <laughs> right? Real talk. Real talk. But you can't get no worse than that. I ain't gonna lie. Aaron, jeez. Yeah. Okay. Where are we now? Top of 27. Oof. Man, the altar, uh, the altar of burnt offering. Build an altar of Acadia wood, three cubits high. It is to be square, five cubits long, and five cubits wide. Make a horn at each of the four corners, so that the horns and the altars are of one piece. And overlay the altar with bronze. Make all its utensils of bronze, its pots to remove the ashes, and its shovel sprinkling bowls, meat forks, and fire pans. Um, make a grating for it, a bronze network, and make a bronze ring at each of the four corners of the network. Put it under the ledge of the altar so that it is halfway up the altar. Make poles of Acadia wood for the altar and overlay them with bronze. The poles are to be inserted into the rings so that they will be on two sides of the altar when it is carried. Make the altar hollow out, make the altar hollow out of boards. It is to be made just as you were shown on the mountain. So Moses even get the visuals for these. That'd have been That'd make sense. That'd have been pretty cool. <laughs> the courtyard. Make a courtyard for the tabernacle. The south side shall be a hundred cubits long and is to have curtains of finely twisted linen. With twenty posts and twenty bronze bases and with silver hooks and bands of the of the posts. The north side shall also be a hundred cubits long and is to have curtains. When twenty posts and twenty bronze bases and with, with with twenty posts and twenty bronze bases and with silver hooks and bands on the posts, the west end of the courtyard shall be fifty cubits wide and have curtains with ten posts and ten bases. On the east end, toward the sunrise, the courtyard shall also be fifty cubits wide, curtains fifteen cubits long, and are to be on one side of the entrance with three posts and three bases, and curtains fifteen cubits long are to be on the top. On the other side, are to be on the other side, with three posts and three bases. For the entrance to the courtyard, provide a curtain 20 cubits long of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and finely twisted linen, with the light, with the work of an embroiderer, with four posts and four bases. All the posts around the courtyard are to have silver bonds and hooks and bronze bases. The courtyard shall be 100 cubits long and 50 cubits wide. With cubits of finely twisted linen, five cubits high, and with bronze bases, all the other articles used in the service of the tabernacle, with, um, whatever their function, including all the ten pegs for it, and those for the courtyard, are to be of bronze. The oil for the lampstand. <laughs> Command the Israelites to bring you clear oil of pressed olives for the light. <laughs> the olive oil, boy. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, um, of pressed olives for the light so that the lamps may be kept burning. In the tent of meeting, outside the curtain that shields the ark of the covenant of the covenant law, Aaron and his sons are to keep the lamps burning before the Lord from evening till morning. This is to be a lasting ordinance among the Israelites for generations to come. Them lamps ain't supposed to go up. No, I laugh because God say Aaron and his sons. Mm -hmm. so they have specific instructions. Mm -hmm. And part we could see part how, of the priestly line. Yeah, we could see how that turns out differently than expected as well. Foreshadowing. 
All right, so in chapter 28, we talk about the priestly garments. So now we see how Aaron, your brother, brought to you from among the Israelites, along with his sons, Narab and Abihu, Eleazar, Eliezer, and Itamar. So they may serve me as priests. And we go back because, you know, Aaron and Moses from the tribe of Levi, and Levi was given the priestly, priestly blessing from his father, Israel Jacob. So we could kind of see how this kind is coming to full fruition now. Make sacred garments for your brother Aaron and give him dignity and honor. Tell all the skilled workers to whom I have given wisdom in such matters that they are to make garments for Aaron for his consecration so he may serve me as a priest. There are garments. There are the garments they are to make a breast. A, why am I stumbling? There are got these are the garments they are to make a breast piece, an ephod, a robe, a woven tunic, a turban, and a sash. They are to make these sacred garments for your brother and his son, so they may serve me as priests. Have them use gold and blue and purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen. The ephod of gold and blue, purple and scarlet yarn, and finely twisted linen, the work of the skilled hands. It is, to, it is to have two shoulder pieces attached to two of its corners so it can be fastened. Its skillfully woven waistband is to be like it of one piece with the ephod and made of gold and with purple, blue, and scarlet yarn and finely <laughs> twisted linen. If you ever forget the colors, Why? that on you. In uh, verse 9, take two onyx stones and engrave them on the names of the sons of Israel in the order of their birth, six names on one stone and the remaining six on the other. Engrave the names of the sons of Israel on the two stones, the way the gem cutter engraves a seal. Then mount the stones in fine gold filary settings and fasten them to the shoulder pieces of the ephod as a memorial stones for the sons of Israel. Aaron is to bear the names on his shoulders as a memorial before the Lord. Make gold fillery settings and two braided chains of pure gold like rope and attach the chains to these settings. Remember you were saying you didn't really know the significance of that breastplate. Now you're seeing what it meant. Yep. And that's the thing. That's no the one, thing. No one goes into that detail. Right. And bro, so you see, you see all of this stuff or you hear and you see pictures and stuff like that, you don't know why they're doing it. And, that, and that's my thing, bro. Like, I feel like as Christians, bro, as human beings, first of all, you got to know why you're doing these things. You got to know why you're doing anything. Real talk. Especially in today's society, bro. It's a lot of things that have dark meanings to it at the beginning. Like, why why we have Easter money? You know, why we have Halloween? You know what I mean? A Halloween, that, that, that's kind of, you, you, you should kind of know that that have a dark a dark origin, you know what I mean? But like, just to the kid who, who dressing up and, you know, it's fun to dress up and, and characterize yourself or something, but why are you doing it? You you know what I mean? And so, the Bible ain't leaving us in the dark in a lot of things. You, know, you just have to actually take the initiative to read these hard texts to read. And so, you know, if y'all listening, you know, y'all on the journey with us, you know, <laughs> as, as we go through this stuff and it's, we have, we have a, a little run with these stuff, you know? <laughs> I prefer the stories, like I like the dialogue and, and the actual Morton Park, but you got to take the Bible for what it is. But, but watch this, right? And you're still learning. Go for it. In the last, in the last chapter, they say, um, Nadab, Abihu, Aaron, are to make sure the lamp is always burning. Keep mm-hmm. the oils there. We can see how later on, they take their job lightly and then X, Y, Z. 
But mm. nah, you could bro, it, like to me. I just heard the story of Nate Abin Abayu, the only story that people really know about them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't have no preface for that. I didn't know this was their job and this was their doing for, for months or like, you understand what That's I said? they should have been doing. You know what I mean? Like, I ain't, I ain't put together that, oh, they was, from, they was from the Levi clan. Aaron have a, have a special robe because he's like one of the lead priests and stuff like that. Like, a lot of this stuff, you, I don't, you don't put together because he ain't getting the whole story. Man, and Aaron was the chief priest. That's what I'm saying. But when people give you the story, they ain't never can give you the whole story. And they ain't give you the whole story like how you would internalize the story. So that's why it's important to read. And bro, the, the time he living in right now, you don't have to read, you know, you can listen to it. You can yeah. watch commentaries and like, you can listen to the Breath of Fresh Air podcast. Now granted, you're still receiving that second hand. So that ain't the pure, as pure as, as what I was just mentioning. But it's like, it's more things available to us now than, than it was before mm-hmm. in order to help us to get through stuff that is not that um, appeasing to our ears or to our minds. I mean, a good way to put it is like, we're not living in the dark ages. True. The word is not being purposely held back from the people. Mm-hmm. We all have the ability to go out and do our own research, consume it in any form that we want, guidance from the Holy Spirit. But we have the you have the ability to go out there and do your own research fully. I mean, especially if you're living in this part of the world. Mm-hmm. You don't have to like, oh, I can't openly search for God. I mean, if you can listen to this podcast... You can probably find multiple ways to read the Bible, listen to the Bible, get extra commentary on the Bible, hear other people's perspectives on the Bible, and then grow yourself. Like, okay, you don't have to accept everything we say. We honestly, I hope you don't accept everything we I say. I really hope you. I want to challenge everything we say. And you know, find the find find things you think are flaws, and then, like I said, let's have the conversation. Let's go in the Bible and like let's 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 talk about it. And that's the that's the best way to grow with grow grow with the word. Like mm-hmm. that's what the people were doing in the early church. Because there's some things, bro, that are definite. Mm-hmm. But it's some things that's up for interpretation. Definitely. Now, whose interpretation are you gonna trust? Your pastor. You don't know what type of um, predisposition they might have to something. You don't know what biases they have. You don't know what sins they struggle with, which 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 would naturally cause them to withhold this information because mm-hmm. it would expose them if they don't. You understand what I say? I feel like the best person to trust is yourself. That's how I personally feel. I mean, it's it's so funny too because like. Two of the most well-known people after Jesus in the Bible is Peter and Paul. Right. And we see after Jesus went up, Peter and Paul even clashed. Yeah. Because they were like, had different philosophies and how the church should grow and expand mm-hmm. and who they should be t- talking to. And we see they, they had to come together and was like, why are you doing this? And Paul was like, why are you doing this? Like, what you doing ain't making no sense. Bro, even <laughs> the, see, you could tell, bro, because like even the disciples didn't have it all together, bro. No. They literally say, Lord, we see some people preaching in your name, but they wasn't among us. So we tell them, stop. And Jesus was like, bro, anybody who was for us is not against us type of situation. <laughs> you know how brazen that is, bro? Oh, they wasn't one of us. That's like clickish type mm-hmm. of stuff to me, you know? And I was just like, bro, these people preaching and teaching, casting out demons in Jesus' name, but because they ain't a part of the gang, because you ain't gang, because you ain't farm, you got to stop that. It's you like, ain't one of the 12, bro. You understand? You ain't one of the 12, bro. <laughs> like, and I saw gang members is arc now, bro. Like, why are you wearing that color, bro? You ain't, you ain't gang. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like, and that's why I'm saying it's the clickish behavior type of situation, you know? And I'm just saying these people who, of course, a lot of the, like, well, during Jesus' ministry, a lot of these people were just learning. The disciples, they had faith, but they wasn't really molded and experienced people like, 
Levi was a tax collector. Jesus pulled up on him and was like, yo, follow me. Follow me. You know, these guys are fishermen. He's like, follow me. But like, mm-hmm. the, these guys, they didn't have a theology degree and they're like, oh yeah, they ready now. Mm-hmm. And they ready for this. You know, these are just guys who, who followed, who took the call. You know what I mean? And so they was learning. But my thing is to say, why your pastor can't be learning? Like why you and I, Earl, why we can't be learning? You know, so, so my the, the, the point I'm trying to get across is to Gain information for yourself because ain't none of us in charge of your salvation. Ain't none of us in charge of you learning. You know what I mean? So I, that is a fact. Yeah, I feel like we just gotta we just gotta be aware for ourselves. You know. So uh, picking up in uh, verse fifteen, we're talking about the actual breast piece of the effort now. So now we see fashion a breast piece for making decisions. The work of skill hands make it like the ephod of gold and blue and purple and scarlet yarn of finery twisted linen. Uh, it is to be square, a span long and a span wide and folded double. The mount four row, then mount four rows of precious stones onto it. The first four rows shall be carnelian, chrysolite, beryl. The second row shall be turquoise, lapis, lazuli, emerald. The third row shall be uh, jacinth, agate, and amethyst. I always fumble with that word. Um, the fourth row shall be topaz, onyx, and jasper. Mount them in gold filigree settings. There are to be 12 stones, one for each of the names of the sons of Israel, each engraved like a seal with the name of the 12 tribes. For the breastplate, make braided chains of pure gold like rope. Make two rings for it. Fasten the two corners of the breastplate. Fasten the gold chains to the rings of the corners of the breastplate. And the other ends of the chains to the two settings attaching them to the shoulder pieces of the ephod at the front essentially it's just imagine you have a uh like a breastplate in front of you just with fancy stones just for the visual probably if you're watching this on youtube a spectrum might be in the screen right now make two gold rings and attach them to the two corners of the breastplate in the Inside edge of the ephod, make two more gold rings and attach them to the bottom of the shoulder pieces on the front of the ephod, close to the seam just above the waistband of the ephod. Uh, the rings of the breastplate are to be tied to the rings of the ephod with a blue cord connecting it to the waistband so that the breastplate will not swing out from the ephod. When Aaron enters the holy place, he will wear the names of the sons of Israel over his heart on the breastplate of decision as continuing memorial before the Lord. Okay, also put the Aram and the Thimim in the breastplate so that they may be over Aaron's heart when he enters the presence of the Lord. Thus Aaron will always bear the name, the means of making decisions for the Israelites over his heart before the Lord. Other priestly garments, make the robe of the ephod entirely a blue cloth with an opening for the head in its center. There will be a woven edge like a collar around the opening so that it will not tear. Make the pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn around the hem of the robe with gold bells between them. The gold bells and the pomegranates are to alternate around the hem of the robe. Aaron must wear it when he ministers. The sounds of the bell will be heard when he enters the holy place before the Lord and when he comes out so that he will not die. (laughs) Make a plate of pure gold and engrave onto it a seal, holy to the Lord. Fasten a blue cord to it and attach it to the turban. It is to be in front of the turban. It will be 
on Aaron's forehead and it will be and it will bear the guilt involved in the sacred gifts of the Israelites consecrate whatever gifts they may be it will be on Aaron's forehead continually so that they will acceptable so that they will be acceptable to the Lord weave the tunic of fine linen and make the turban of fine linen the sash is to be the work of an embroiderer make tunics sashes and caps for Aaron's sons and give them the to give them dignity and honor after you put these clothes on your brother Aaron and his sons, anoint and ordain them, consecrate themselves so they may serve me as priests. Make linen undergarments as covering for the body, reaching from the waist to the thigh. Aaron and his sons must wear them whenever they enter the tent of meeting or approach the altar to minister in the holy place so that they will not incur guilt and die. This is to be a lasting ordinance for Aaron and his descendants. So a couple of things there we see, I just want to point out how, I mean, it isn't touched on here specifically, but how sacred the holy and most holy places were, because we see how they already allude to like, Aaron must wear many ministers, the sounds of the bells will be heard when he enters the holy place before the Lord. And when he comes out so that he will not die. So literally it was a thing in the Israelite camp when the high priest was to enter like the most holies, he would actually have a rope attached to the bells so they could hear the bells when he is moving around in the holy place to make sure that he isn't that he didn't die when he go in there because mm-hmm. if you didn't sanctify and consecrate yourself before God and took care of everything that you had to do as a priest before you went in there the presence of God will kill you mm-hmm. so that's kind of why you see these bells and stuff God's saying like and it's so interesting how God gave them these instructions had everything like this is what I want mm-hmm. and here's what you're going to do because this is what I require of you because we just see Moses up there for 40 days right the boy is Aaron going to the most holy place, right? And he died. And no one knows he's dead. How they can find out? Because you can't go in there. You can't go in there because you know you could die for sure. You know, you know what I mean? And so you got a rope so you could get it. Yeah, they just get pull them back up with the rope you if they die. It. Yeah, right. That's number one. And number two, you could have the bell stop. You're like, oh boy. You know what I mean? The bell stop and the rope stop moving. You're like, well, I guess. Yeah, you know what happened then? The wisdom of God. Yeah. And we see how Nadab and Abihu are ordained. There they are, ordained priests. Mm-hmm. Ordained ministers. Yeah. They are to accept sacrifices, accept offerings. They are to do, they to perform their priestly duties. Yep. All right. So. Chapter 29. There, consecrate, consecrate. <laughs> Boy. Consecration. These words are the whooping priest. us tonight. Yeah. <laughs> This back like when we used to be reading patriarchs and prophets and they had all them big words. Yeah, boy. <laughs> that used to be hard. But this is what you are to do to consecrate them so they may serve me as priests. Take a young bull and two rounds without defect. And from the finest wheat flour, make round leaves without yeast. Thick loaves without yeast and with olive oil mixed in and thin loaves without yeast and brushed with olive oil. Put them in a basket and present them along with the bull and the two rams. Then bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Take the guard, take the garments, undress Aaron with tunic, with the tunic, the rope of the ephod, the ephod itself, and the breastpiece. Fasten the ephod on him by its skillfully woven waistband. Put the turban on his head and attach the sacred emblem to the turban. Take the anointing oil and anoint him by pouring it on his head. Bring his sons and dress them in tunics and fasten caps on them. Then tie sashes on Aaron and his sons. The priesthood is theirs by a lasting ordinance. Then you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. 
Bring the bull to the front of the tent of meeting, and Aaron and his son shall lay their hands on its head. Slaughter it in the Lord's presence at the entrance of, to the tent of meeting. Take some of the bull's blood and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger, and pour out the rest of it at the base of the altar. Then take all the fat of the internal organs, the long lobe of the liver, and both kidneys with the fat of them, and burn them on the altar. But burn the bull's flesh and its hide and its intestines outside the camp. It is a sin offering. Mm. Take one of the rams and Aaron and his sons shall lay their hands on its head. Slaughter it and take the blood and splash it against the sides of the altar. Cut the ram into pieces and wash the internal organs and the legs. Putting them with the head <laughs> and the other pieces. Then burn the entire ram on the altar. It is a burnt offering to the Lord. A pleasing aroma, a food offering presented to the Lord. <laughs> take a <sighs> nice whiff. Right. Take the, uh, take the other ram and Aaron, and his sons shall lay their hands on his head. Slaughter it, take some of its blood, and put it on the lobes of the right ears of, the, of Aaron and his sons. God's ways are not our ways. <laughs> on the thumbs of their hands and on the big toes of their right foot. This is very thorough. Yes, very yes, precise just, instructions. Yeah. Yeah. Then splash blood against the sides of the altar and take some blood from the altar and some of the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aaron and his garments and on his sons and their garments. Then he and his sons and their garments will be consecrated. Take from this ram the fat, the, the, the fat, the fat tail, the fat of the internal organs, the long lobe of the liver, both kidneys with the fat on them and their right thigh. From the basket of bread made without yeast, which is before the Lord, take one round loaf, one thick loaf with <laughs> olive oil mixed in, and one thin loaf. Put all these in the hands of Aaron, his sons, and have them wave them before the Lord as a wave offering. Then take them from their hands and burn them on the altar, along with the burnt offering for a pleasing aroma to the Lord, a food offering preser pre presented to the Lord. After you take the, the breast of the ram for Aaron's ordination, wave it before the Lord as a wave offering, and it, will be, and it will be your share. Consecrate those parts of the ordination ram that belong to Aaron and his sons, the breast that was waved and the thigh that was presented. This is always to be perpetual, the perpetual share from the Israelites for Aaron and his sons. It is the contribution the Israelites are to make to the Lord from their fellowship offering. Aaron's sacred, Aaron's sacred garments will belong to his descendants so that they can be anointed and ordained in them. The son who succeeds him as priest and comes to the tent of meeting to minister in the holy place is to wear them seven days. Take the ram for the ordination and cook the meat in a sacred place. At the entrance to the tent of meeting, Aaron and his sons are to, meet, are to eat the meat of the ram and the bread that is in the basket. They are to eat these offerings by which atonement was made for their ordination and consecration. But no one else may eat them because they are sacred. And if any of the meat of the ordination of the ordination ram or any bread is left over till morning, burn it up. It must not be eaten because it is sacred. Do for Aaron and his sons everything I have commanded. You taking seven days to ordain them. Sacrifice a bull each day as sin as a sin offering to make atonement. Purify the altar by making atonement for it and anoint it to, set, to consecrate it. 
for seven days, make atonement for the altar and consecrate it. Then the altar will, will be most holy, and whatever touches it will be holy. This is what you are to offer on the altar regularly each day, two lambs a year. Offer one in the morning and the other at twilight. With the first lamb, offer a tenth of an ephah of the finest flour mixed with a, a quarter of a hen of hmm. oil from pressed olives and a quarter of a hen of wine as a drink offering. Sacrifice the other lamb at twilight with the same grain offering and its drink offering as in the morning, a pleasing as in the morning, a pleasing aroma, a food offering presented to the Lord. For the generations to come, this burnt offering is to be made regularly at the entrance to the tent of meeting before the Lord. There I will meet you and speak to you. There also I will meet with Israel with the Israelites, and the place will be consecrated by my glory. So I will consecrate the tent of meeting and the altar and will consecrate Aaron and his sons to, to, to serve me as priests. Then I will dwell among the Israelites and be their God. They will, they will know that I am the Lord their God who brought them out of Egypt so that I may dwell among them. I am the Lord their God. Mercy. It was so much like imagery and... Yeah importance to some of the stuff you said for them back in the day like but you really i mean overall i just want to point out how specific god was and god knew why everything was being done like the off like the land was to be completely burnt up because it was the sin offering and that was the land that was completely taken up like the place of us and our sins mm-hmm. and we're seeing how okay you know, they have to sprinkle it on their right ear, hand, and foot. This isn't because God felt that they could do whatever they wanted to do with their left ear, hand, and foot. It's because the right side was considered superior back in that day. Okay. Yeah. The right side was considered superior. And then, I mean, it's just such, so, such specific imagery that, but, I mean, all in all, we see that God knows why he gave them these rules. Nothing was without purpose. Nothing was just because, okay, God just wanted them to... You know, have these bunch of laws, so you have to be confined. God was saying, nah, these things are specifically to bring you closer to me, but also have important significance. Yeah, that's the structure. You understand? So these people in the wilderness, you know, we trying to establish a kingdom here. There are laws in place, there are practices, there are traditions. And then I feel like I feel like as people, everybody, I feel like as people we need traditions. Mm-hmm. Because if we, if we don't follow the traditions of God, we follow our own traditions. And that's where things get pretty dangerous. Exactly. Even in the church, we follow traditions from other people or from people who weren't this religion before. Mm-hmm. And why is that? I feel like it's just a need to have traditions, bro. Like, it's certain things that I feel like humans need that, that people don't just come out and address. I feel like we need to be accepted. We need to be welcome. That's why some people find themselves in certain organizations that accept them. You know, when I was a when I was a member of like this art club, everybody in the art club held up with such pride. Like, like to me, we shared a commonality that we were artists. But some people would even to the some people would even treat people like they were inferior because they weren't a part of our club. Mm. And in my mind, I'm like, bro, God gave us all of these gifts, bro. Like, I don't understand why you taking such pride into this as to ostracize somebody, you know? Mm-hmm. But that's the clickish behavior there. So a lot, Some people just feel like they want to be... You were a part of the 12. Yeah, right. You understand? <laughs> you were a part of the 12. And that's how they was giving it up, you know? And here we can see how, you know, it's it's a, it's the godly way and then it's like the worldly way. Mm-hmm. 
you know, the world off their own stuff that sometimes it ain't even a carbon copy. It's just completely different than the way God wants things to be. Bro, if you look at, all right, let's just take it from, let's just, let's just have a religious neutral conversation for a second. Mm -hmm. If we look at any other religion, everybody have their, have their practices. You know, I have a friend who's a devout Muslim. He prays, I don't know how many times a day, but he, he definitely takes time out the day to pray. When it's Ramadan time, he don't eat from this time to that time. They put the mat down. They have to face this, this area. You understand face what I'm saying? Face the Kaaba. Exactly. So it's like there are, there are certain practices in every religion and like it's, it's methodical. Here we see where God, the Most High God, the one who brought them out of Egypt, is telling them these are the things to follow. Mm -hmm. These are the instructions. Make it like this. Do that. You have to consecrate yourself before you enter here, X, Y, Z. Because, bro, at the end of the day, if we don't do it, if God don't do this, we're going to find a way to, to have our own traditions to follow. You know? It's like, you see like you see when people pray and they do the cross, the, the up, down, left, right? Why, 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 why do people do that? Where that start? You understand what I'm saying? It's, the time and that start is not applicable to today. And that's it, man. Ah, I get that specific topic, not to believe that cross per se but like that whole topic of traditions people follow and not knowing the reason why i could go on so long for it but in essence our, our podcast and we're already on a tangent but it's just saying that man certain certain traditions had a purpose for the time they were established and they were passed down generation to generation to generation to generation to generation to generation without questioning mm -hmm. so now you have this 15 generation removal you're doing something and you don't know the significance behind it true so now the original power that this thing had, you don't know because granted it might be, uh, you might not even need to be doing this anymore. So it's just, that's a topic for a whole other day. I could go so and that's the truth, deep bro. into that. But and, that's and, the surface and, level. That's the truth, but it's relevant to the same, the same chapter, the same book. Reason <laughs> being, bro, I need to know how serious to take Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. I need to know how serious to take them. I need to know if this was only for the Hebrews. Because that's what people say. This is only for the Hebrews. Religious people, bro. Christian scholars say these stuff was only dedicated to the to the. And my thing is, are we talking about the, the everything outside of the Ten Commandments? Because I can see how thou shalt not murder is still applicable today. Mm -hmm. Like literally, I can see how every commandment is still applicable today. But it's only it's like three commandments that people don't care about at all. Maybe even four if you if you. The, don't have no other, no other God before me. People don't care about that for real, for real. The the idols one, people don't mm, typically care for that for real, for real. You understand? The Sabbath day, definitely people don't respect that. You understand? And then sometimes if it's thou shalt not bear false witness, we know that's wrong. Everybody knows that's wrong and kind of admits that's wrong, but a lot of people don't live by that, by that mm -hmm. code. You know what I mean? And then sometimes some people don't live by your, your father and your mother. But my thing is, you can't say that these things are, are dated. Because I like the only one that people really, really try to push and argue is the Sabbath, right? But my thing is, is it dated because of the Exodus or because it was given to the Hebrews? And like to me, why? And does that mean that everything else is dated or not? So I'm asking as someone who wants to be educated in all honesty, because I want to just follow, I just want to follow everything God said to do, you know? But does this apply to us? Literally, because this is like a ceremonial thing here. Now, now one thing, now watch this. All of this stuff was applicable because it was a, it was a, um, it was like a precursor to the Messiah coming. We doing these offerings because that's the, that's what the Messiah represents. Mm -hmm. Until the Messiah comes and sheds his blood to remiss, 
to be the remission of all of our sins. Mm -hmm. We have to do these burnt offerings, etc. Mm -hmm. I understand that when 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 Jesus came, that was fulfilled. We don't have to do that no more. And so a lot of these ceremonial things, I could understand not doing it no more. But where's the line drawn? Is my question. You know, I I want I want to say, as of right now, as of right now, and, and I don't want to be polarized in this take, but I I want to say, the Ten Commandments will never change. You understand what I'm saying? These things will be will be read now. Was given to the he. It was given to the Jews. I don't see. I don't. I don't. I don't know what. I don't see an e foot in real life, bro. You understand what I'm saying? Like I don't see these things. Because the priest is. You understand? Like there's no more need for a priest to intercess before us anymore. Exactly. So I want to say these things were specific to the time frame. You know, um, gearing up to Jesus, and this is still important to know where the, where the Hebrews came from. I mean, even look at some of the stuff last week that we talked about, like the refuge city. Nah, bro. If you if you kill someone today, ain't no refuge city to go to. It's, exactly. Uh, unless you're running from the cops, buddy, they gonna find you. Right. But hey, go for it. I think you still was finished. No, no, no. I gotta say, I gotta say, I gotta say something that ain't relevant. <laughs> I gotta make a joke. I mean, so, so, so the whole thing is like, I guess we're on this journey together. So it's like, okay, we know certain things are in this in this contextual historical reference. So you just on this journey to figure out. What is what? And then I think, like, as we go, as we're going through, we're seeing, okay, like, this definitely is for that time. This mm -hmm. definitely is for that time. And then certain things you can say, real, as we go through, especially Leviticus and Deuteronomy, that's where these laws even get, these covenants and these instructions get expanded upon even a bit more. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, right now we're going through just... It's just the groundwork. They're this, just telling you what it is. Yeah, they're just, and plus they're just setting up a temple right now. We mm -hmm. know this temple, this, is, this was a temporary, well, temporary temple, but this temple was moving along with the Israelites as we're going to see as we go along further story. And then... The ultimate temple was built, was given to David. David messed up. Solomon built the temple. So it's called Solomon's temple from that point on. And we see that temple got sacked, destroyed several times. And we see even to this day, the Israelites and the Palestinians still argue about the temple. And then watch this, right? To this day. And then there was a guy who said, if the temple is destroyed, we rebuild it in three days, right? Mm -hmm. The temple was a metaphor for Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. And it was Jesus is the guy, by the way. And <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. But now I'm thinking now, bro. Jesus was a, the temple was a metaphor for Jesus, right? But I, I want to say that that's in the literal sense. The temple this whole time could have been a symbol for Jesus. Mm -hmm. You understand what I'm saying? Like this whole time. And that's why we don't need priests to go to the most holy priest to intercede on our behalf because Jesus intercedes on our behalf. You mm -hmm. understand? He's the ladder that Jacob saw, like the, the middle ground between the earth and the heaven, you you know what I'm saying? And so yeah, I don't know, that, that kind of just hit me just now. Like 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 really, really hit me. Like, yeah, like that's crazy. Like, you know? And so yeah, bro, like I enjoy I enjoy reading this even though it's kind of like hard to to break down in a mm -hmm. sense. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot to, I, I'm more of a visual learner, like in stuff like this. So when I look at the pictures and I can say, all right, all right, this was the setup. But let me show you how dread God is, right? And we already say what dread mean, but the people we know dread is like good or like cool or or dope as they say in America. I don't know if that's fitting, but God so dread right now that God know all of this was can set up Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? This was like, all right, I want y'all to get this piece. I want y'all to I want y'all to just I want y'all to just capture and absorb the concept of the Ark of the Covenant of the Ark of the Covenant and its holiness. 
So I can put you in situations where, the, where you can see how holy the Ark of the Covenant is. Where you can see how sacred the temple is. You know? You can see, you can see the, um, the meaning of the lamp. You can, see, you can see all of these meanings, right? And once y'all grasp this, once y'all grasp this, y'all gonna understand how sacred all of this stuff is, is in totality and how sacred the Messiah is. So once you see, the, once you have the respect for this thing, for that thing, da 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 and you're all going through generations and all of these years, you have this respect. When the human form of this come, you should already know how to treat, how to treat God, how to have that respect. And I feel like that's like, you know, they say chess, not checkers, but it's a whole different, that's a whole different thing. You can't even compare it, mm -hmm. you know? And so God gave us a practical, us being the Hebrews and God's people, he gave us, he gave us like, um, a personification or maybe the opposite of personification like he kind of gave us like objects that represented um jesus one way or the other you know and so just even now we being introduced to this in the book of exodus and that's how the hebrews was kind of being introduced to like the different characteristics of the messiah and it's definitely going to be something that's going to be built upon and expanded upon until we meet Jesus in the flesh or until we get introduced to the human version of these oh, concepts. Concept. Moses has spent a good amount of time on the top of Mount Sinai. Here the Lord has covered the Ten Commandments, provisions for social differences, as well as detailed instructions on setting up the tabernacle and various altars. One can only imagine what the Israelites are doing in Moses' absence. Let's just say... They may have had too much idle time on their hands. But we'll talk about Aaron, the Hebrews, and the golden calf on the next episode of A Breath of, of a Fresh Air. Tonight's episode included voice acting by your host, Earl Roberts, and the Cars Gate. Remember to go ahead and research on your own in order to get a more firm understanding of tonight's episode. And if you enjoyed it, make sure to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can follow us on social media at A Breath of Fresh Air Pod on Instagram and B O F A P O D on Twitter. Thanks, everyone. I'm going to see you next week.